Are you ready to find the missing link in your wellness journey? Do you want to learn how specialized women-owned businesses can collectively help you achieve the goals you want for your mind, body, and soul? Hi, my name is Dr. Kelly Alhui, founder of Orthopelvic Physical Therapy, and Molly Atala, former teacher and manager of Orthopelvic. Together, we are on a mission to help women know that there is help for whatever their needs are. From cosmetic tattoo artists to naturopath doctors, we break down different methods and treatment that women may not know are available to them by drastically improving their quality of life. We believe that no one can achieve the results they desire going down one path with one practitioner. And that is why we come together to collaborate. This podcast is for all women, especially for those who want more information on improving their overall well-being and would like to learn about methods and treatment and care that they may be unaware of. So let us connect the pieces of the puzzle for you. While listening, you will learn about local female-run businesses and understand that when providers work together to have a collective approach, we can reach the best outcomes for you. Let's get into today's episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Collaborative Connections by Orthopelvic PT. I am absolutely thrilled because today I have with me clinical social worker, Dana Seltzer of Bluebell Therapy Center. This is her own practice. And I'm super, super excited to hear how she got started, who she serves. Um, It's just a really, really just an important service that she is offering and an important specialty. And this is something that we get asked about all the time. So I can't wait to turn it over to Dana. Tell us more and welcome. Thank you. So I guess I can just start by saying who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm here. Absolutely. Um, and then tell you a little bit about how I got here. So I am a clinical social worker. I do private therapy and I primarily work with women in the perinatal period, which is contemplating pregnancy, pregnancy, postpartum. Uh, Although how long is the postpartum period? You know, I think really depends woman to woman, honestly. But I also see a handful of younger women who are in their early 20s and sort of dealing with the fallout of COVID and life not taking the path they expected it to take. And I'm seeing some women who have older kids and are empty nesting, but the bread and butter of my practice is women in the perinatal period. I started my social work career working in the medical setting, working at children's hospital in DC. And I worked in the PICU for a long time. And so I've worked with families who have experienced a huge range of things and dealt with parents, worked with parents who were experiencing lots of different sort of unforeseen situations, but those people weren't ever coming to me voluntarily or for therapy. They met me because they were in the hospital setting and I happened to be there. Um, And then when I left the hospital, I realized that I wanted more long-term relationships, more relationships that were intentional. Mm. And I just really felt pulled to the perinatal population from some of the work that I had done and some of the experiences that I had. Absolutely. And then, um, you are a mother of two yourself, correct? 
I am. I have two girls. They are six and nine. And how did that impact um, your kind of shifting, not necessarily the scope of your practice, but shifting the focus and going from, you know, hospital setting to private? Yeah. So when I was pregnant with my first, I was really unsure if I wanted to go back to work, if I wanted to keep working. And I felt a lot of pressure to know. And I was still pregnant. I wasn't a mom yet. How was I supposed to know how I was going to feel? Um, and I was working in DC at the time and they allowed for longer FMLA. So I was able to be home for six months with my daughter. Um, and I had a pretty hard time in the postpartum period. I don't know that I realized it at the time because it's your first one. You don't know what's normal. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went back to work at six months and I remember that first day just thinking like, well, this isn't going to work. Um, but I didn't quite know how to put that. This isn't going to work into action. So I I went back for a few months And at the time I was living in Herndon and commuting to DC. And there were some days it would take me like two and a half hours to get there. Um, And my husband and I agreed after a few months that no one was happy. Mm. (laughs) And I didn't feel like I was doing the right. I wasn't giving my clients in the hospital setting the, the level of care that they deserved. And I, everyone was getting just a little bit of me. And so we decided that I would stay home for a while. Um, but even before I had kids, I felt really connected to the perinatal population just in terms of what they experienced trying to get pregnant, being pregnant, whether or not people were choosing to continue pregnancies, and then maybe having a baby whose life wasn't the way that they anticipated it going. Mm. Um, and I thought that that was a really powerful life event to be part of. Um, and then after I had kids, I felt more connected because of lived experience. And so that just seemed like where I fit when I thought about what population I wanted to spend my days with. Absolutely. And I think that, um, well, clearly kind of this idea of matrescence is, has come more into the zeitgeist of just like that process, uh, you know, similar to adolescence of that huge shift of becoming a mother. And sometimes people talk about, you know, the death of the maiden and the birth of the mother and things like that. Um, and it's never quite so cut and dry. And like you said, there are so many unforeseen circumstances, you know, sometimes we don't want to continue a pregnancy. Sometimes we're unable to continue a pregnancy. Sometimes we, um, you know, go full term and give birth and And um, our child has needs that we were not aware that it would have Um, and things like that, where you just need, you need so much support. I think every woman like throughout her um, trying to conceive and pregnancy and and postpartum journey really should be speaking to someone. Um, And I think that's incredibly important just to process all of those things. And I uh, personally believe that um, they should be speaking to another woman. I just think that that is 
invaluable and that you can't really connect. I know for me, um, when I was giving birth, um, I'm super close with my husband and I definitely thought that I was going to want him by my side and doing a lot of like comfort measures and things like that for me uh, during my birth. And I really did not want him at all. And I wanted my doula and she was right there for me. And I, um, I'm so grateful that I had her and we had two very different births. She had a hospital birth, um, with an epidural. Um, I had a home birth and it was nothing about like, it, it had nothing to do with the fact that, you know, different births or different preferences or anything like that. It was like this, um, like deep primal desire to be with another woman and to be kind of sherpaed through this experience mm -hmm. by another woman. Um, and so I think that kind of what you provide is so invaluable. And I know I do connect with, if I have friends um, who are pregnant and they're not currently seeing a therapist, um, I do really kind of implore them of, Hey, you know, postpartum is, probably the hardest thing that you're ever going to do. It's a lot harder than giving birth and having a baby. And we put a lot of effort into this act of giving birth and not a lot into, um, the after, which is like the rest of our lives. Um, and so I do tell them, you know, I really encourage you to link on with a therapist who kind of specializes in this and have at least, you know, have one or two sessions before you give birth, just so that you have somebody safe who you trust, who's on your team, um, when shit hits the fan, which, which it will, and it's going to be different for every mom. Yes. And I mean, part, a big part of doing therapy with women in the postpartum is tell me your story. Mm. Tell me about how your child was born. Tell me how you became pregnant. And a lot of women need to be heard. They need to tell that story. Tell me how you're feeding your baby. What's that mm. like for you? Because I think that we, particularly people, I think in our similar age range, we, we were taught that it should be the most natural thing in the world. And that like, mm -hmm. you'll just love this baby the second it comes out of you and you'll just know. And I don't think that's true. And I think that there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of shame that like, you're meeting a stranger. Mm -hmm. And I think that most women care about the baby but they are a stranger and you have to get to know them and you have to figure out how they fit into your life. And that's not something that I think a lot of women are prepared for that ambivalence about the changing role and having a new person in their life. Mm -hmm. And how does that fit for me and my partner and processing that and talking through it and being just validated in like, Hey, I'm kind of feeling weird can be really powerful for a lot of women. Absolutely. And you're so right. Really having, um, having an impartial person who's asking the questions that they maybe didn't know that they really needed to be asked, of, you know, like, how are you feeding your baby? And what does that mean for you? Things like that, um, that are so incredibly impactful. And yeah, I, I mean, I know for myself, um, it was kind of hard hearing that people, as soon as their baby was born and was handed to them, it was the greatest love that they'd ever felt. Um, because that's not how I felt. And, um, and I try to be really honest, um, with other moms, just in case kind of me sharing will make them feel, um, 
just more seen in their own experience. But like, I know for Mm -hmm. my son, um, and I loved my pregnancy. I really loved being pregnant. Um, I did not have that pregnancy of like, Oh, this parasite is like leaching all my energy and stuff like that. Um, like I was really sick, but I was still like having the time of my life. Um, so when, but that's kind of how I felt when he was born of like that. I don't know this being, Mm -hmm. um, it's basically, it's like the least, uh, symbiotic relationship you'll ever have. Like, it's just like almost purely parasitic. Um, you're not really getting anything from them. They're taking from you. And it's, it's like hard, it's kind of hard to admit that, but it's just kind of an objective truth. And then it's, it, it gets so much easier as you get, you know, a smile, um, mm-hmm. as you get, you know, as they track you with their eyes and like things like that, you know, and I feel like, um, I just didn't like the baby phase was tough because we couldn't really have a relationship in the way that I wanted to have a relationship. And that f- felt so weird because you're right. Like we grew up where it was just like, your mom is your mom and the mom is supposed to take care of everything. And it's like this sitcom mom and she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's keeping you out of trouble and tussling your hair. It's not really a mom who's also a person. Like, I feel like a lot of us probably have this kind of this generation um, of like kind of like later millennials did not, maybe did not meet their, if they have a relationship with their mother, maybe they didn't meet their mother as a woman and as a person until adulthood. And I know that that was true for me. And I know for a lot of my friends too, there's a separation between who they are as a woman and and being a mother and that this identity gets really, really blurred. And I think it's wonderful that you help women to also like, well, where are you in this? And where is your partner in this? There is definitely something inherent about becoming a mother that causes us to reflect on how we were mothered Mm. and on that relationship with our mother. And not everyone has a good relationship with their mom. I mean, relationships are complicated. I mean, in the most simple way possible, but I am finding that a lot of the women I see reflect a lot on their relationships with their mothers and how they felt as children. And we can obviously grow and change and forge our own path, but I, we're informed by our past. And so, so many of the women that I see find it useful to just reflect back and think, how did I feel when this happened? Maybe this is why I act this way now. And I think that just part of becoming a mother causes us to reflect on the past in a way that maybe hadn't been fully accessible before. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like through that act of being pregnant for sure, but really through that act of giving birth, it's like all of these things kind of come unlocked in your heart and in your soul that you weren't really repaired. You were really prepared to like come out. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just like such an interesting process. I know for us as, um, so at orthopelvic being pelvic health professionals and seeing so many women, we see women starting at three weeks postpartum and it's so, yeah, it's just like, it's so valuable. It's so great to be able to access women before that, like mythical six week checkup. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is so interesting it's really sometimes, and we'll see people like, like I said, as early as three weeks postpartum, we see people sometimes 25 years postpartum. It doesn't matter for us. We always say kind of it's, it's 
kind of never too early, never too late. Uh, but it'll be kind of the first time. I think something that women don't expect are the times that they will cry on the table or share really vulnerable things. And they're kind of getting into their body in a way that sometimes I feel like with pregnancy and birth, there is a bit of a dissociation between what's happening to us sometimes in our bodies. And, you know, you can't, you don't just step back in after you give birth. Like it's an active choice in a relationship that kind of has to be built between you and your new body and processing whatever happened to your body throughout that pregnancy and birth. And it's really beautiful to kind of see women forge that relationship. Like I, it's even just Uh, neurologically, a lot of times, like for pelvic floor, a lot of times the brain has kind of stopped communicating with the abdominals or stops communicating Mm -hmm. with the pelvic floor muscles after birth. And it's just so fascinating. And people will feel like, well, why, you know, why aren't they talking to each other? And it's like, well, you know, your, your brain was kind of protecting you, but you can reform this relationship and you can, you know, it's just going to take some practice. And it's just, um, you know, your body and these muscle groups are not employees that just show up ready to work. Like you have to train them and kind of mentor them. And I like seeing, I feel like it's really gratifying for me to see women step back into their bodies in that way and taking an hour for themselves. And that's sometimes the hardest thing is getting um, women to take time for themselves just to schedule um, the hour a week. Is that what you find as well? Yeah. Yes. So I, when I have clients who are moms with babies, um, I encourage them to come in person. Um, I think that, and I encourage them if they want to bring the baby. Part of being a new parent is figuring out how you interact with the world now and how do I fit Mm. into it. And so I tell new moms that coming here is a great way to practice parenting in public. Mm. That if your baby cries, it's not going to bother me. If you have to change a diaper, I don't care. But this is a place where it is safe for the parenting to be messy, to be hard, to be vulnerable. It's far easier to parent in public here in my office than it is like in target. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of COVID and the world we're living in right now, um, understandably a lot of moms with younger kids are hesitant to come in because their kids can't be vaccinated yet. And so I do see a lot of people virtually, um, And that actually, I think, has given some women more flexibility because they can like hold their baby while their baby naps and talk to me, or they Mm -hmm. can like sit outside their baby's bedroom while the baby's napping and talk to me. And it's, I think there are some positives and negatives, but it has made it, I think, more accessible to some women who maybe otherwise wouldn't do therapy despite having a hard time. Definitely. And I think so. Yeah, we have a similar setup um, where, you know, we always tell like new moms on the phone, like, you know, you're welcome to bring your baby. Um, You can nurse on the table. You can do, you know, like there's just so many things we can do um, when babies are there too. sometimes we'll, you know, use them for body weight exercises or um, (laughs) I'll set up a little towel for them and we'll do their tummy time. Uh, But it's also if you want to do, you know, it's like, well, if you have the childcare, we're scheduling it, you know, around when a partner can see can have the baby that can be a full hour for you, like a full hour for yourself. Um, and then, I mean, not to mention like the drive alone in the car, which is like the best thing ever when you're a new mom. 
um, not worrying about anybody crying yeah. in the back seat. But yeah, it's the same kind of thing. And we do offer, um, we do like telehealth work as well. Um, and that can be really it can be just like so funny to, to see the whole family in that environment. And for us, it's super helpful because we're able to kind of tailor more of um, what their bodies need to the home environment and just being able to see it, which is really, really nice. But also it's just like, it's just nice. Like we are, it's a fully, you know, female owned and operated practice. And we are just so appreciative of being able to like see life. Like when, you know, one of our Dr. Britta, one of our doctors has four kids. Um, Dr. Grishma has two kids. I have one. And so there's just nothing upsetting to any of us. And even our doctors who don't have children, like Dr. Kelly, um, has never wanted, does not want kids. Um, and, it just doesn't, it doesn't bother us. Like that's life, you know, like it's just, and you know, babies cry and siblings hit each other and like, we're okay. Yeah. Um, and so that is, that's a great idea. I'll definitely start. I'm going to steal that from you. Of Like, if you want to practice, you know, practice parenting in public, we are here for you. Yeah. After my first daughter was born, I participated in a structured psychoeducational support group. And I think it was 12 of us and it was led by a clinical social worker. And one of the requirements was that you bring your baby each week. And at the first session, the woman in charge basically was like, we are safe people. We are all doing this together. If you don't come, we will worry about you. But one hour a week, you are accountable to us. And Mm -hmm. it was so helpful to go and like, hear everyone else's baby cry and know that my baby's not the only one that like doesn't soothe instantly or that sometimes has trouble nursing. And just to see other people sort of in the, the messy, scary, confusing phase was so helpful that I felt like learning how to parent in public with these safe people made it a lot easier when I was ready to do things on my own. And so I try to provide that same sort of environment for my clients. I love that. And then you are, um, just for listeners, you are in person out of an office in Herndon. Is that correct? Correct. And I am licensed in DC and Virginia. So I can see people if they are in DC, um, or I can see them if they're in Virginia throughout, but if they want to come to my office, I can do that too. Love it. Um, anything, so I wanted to kind of, uh, ask, is there a piece of advice that you have for women out there, maybe in that, um, trying to conceive period, or maybe in that, you know, pregnant period where, you know, what is it that you want for them? I, it's such a big question. I know you um, can just say go to therapy. <laughs> that would be I totally mean, appropriate. I would say go to therapy, but also if something is hard or something feels hard, keep saying it mm. that there is no shame in it being hard. You don't have to feel like blessed and glowing and special every moment. And if you say it's hard to one person and you don't get the response you need, say it again, Hmm. say it to the next person because somebody will hear you and somebody will help you. And you deserve a community and you deserve help and you deserve support. And there is no reason that you should be doing it on your own. That's incredible advice. And I completely just extending that to, um, 
with your practitioners. Um, like if you have, if something is, you know, it's hard, it's not going well, it's not feeling right. Um, and you've said that to like an OB and you're not getting, you're not being heard. Um, I need you to go to another OB at the practice. I need you to see a midwife. I need you to switch practices potentially. Um, if you're seeing a therapist that you don't love and connect with like Dana, who of course you would absolutely love because she's amazing. She's already given, <laughs> already given everyone great advice. Um, but that's another thing too. I think, um, please don't forget that the people that you are paying for services work for you. Um, yes. Please don't forget that everyone, it's a relationship like any other relationship and there are good fits and there are bad fits. Um, and so it's, you do not need to, I don't want you to um, alter yourself to fit a provider. We need to find those providers that fit us and that will kind of mold and gel with us. And you're so right. I think I feel like for myself, there were some things that were really hard. And then if you did say it to someone and you didn't get the response of like, oh yeah, that, that is really hard and have, you know, whatever, maybe you should do X, Y, Z. Um, I felt like I didn't have the right to bring it up again. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, uh oh, like, uh oh, that's just me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, getting out. And I know, I think postpartum support Virginia, I don't know if they're doing in, are they doing in person now again? I'm not totally oh, this sure. Yeah. Sure. It might still all be virtual. Yeah, I don't know. Still virtual. Um, but there's still probably like La Leche League and things like that where like other like safe things like that where you could bring um, your baby. That's also a really great takeaway um, from Dana of those kind of practice things because she's so right that you really can hyper fixate on things with your child, especially your first child when you just don't know, you know, which way is up and what is, what other people are experiencing and what they're not. So yeah, connecting with like a, you know, virtually postpartum for Virginia or like a La Leche League or something like that, or maybe your neighborhood has like a local mom's group or something like that, that you can join for community. It's getting warm, like outdoor music, library readings, things like that. Um, just ways to connect, especially, I know it's really difficult with COVID. I'm grateful that there are more opportunities now than there were two years ago. Um, so let's, you know, I think that would be kind of my call to action for people as well. If they're kind of in that period. Yeah. I would actually, with a caveat that I am a member. So if you are my client and you don't want to see me in public, keep this in mind, but I would encourage people if they want to meet other moms and to sort of get practice being in public to look for moms run this town. Mm, good idea. It is primarily Facebook based, but, um, the group is run on Facebook, but the events are in real life. And the Hernan Reston group is like over 700 people. It's where I've met some of my very best friends. Um, if you're my client and you come and I'm at a run, I will just pretend I don't know you and it will be easy, but getting out of the house with your baby to go on a walk or go on a run is so nice and it is good for you. And it's just a nice way to get out of the house in a structured, safe, supportive environment. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Anything. So for you, uh, clearly you're offering virtual, you're offering in-person services, anything that we should be aware of, anything new coming out, anything that you want to share with us about your services or clientele? Oh God. Um, I, I feel like you just asked me what my favorite book was and I have no, never I read a book in my life. Yeah. No, um, that's it. How long are your sessions? 50 minutes. Okay. 50 minutes. Yes. Um, and 
to sort of echo what you said about the relationship, I believe and research tells us that the intervention that your therapist does does not matter if you don't have a solid relationship and connection. Mm -hmm. And I try to be very upfront with my clients that if you dread seeing me every week or you're coming every week and you don't feel like it's helping, that's okay because I may not be the person for you. I am happy to help you find someone who is for you. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's hard because finding a therapist is hard right now. Everyone is full, but seeing someone who is not helping or is making you feel worse is not going to get you to the goals, the goal of feeling better. And I am very open to hearing like, Dana, I don't think we're a great match because I can help you find someone who is. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's super important. And even within, yeah, like even within our practice, a lot of times people will want to see one doctor and kind of keep seeing that PT throughout. And sometimes when one PT is on vacation, they see another one and they decide, you know, actually I want to continue with that person. Sometimes it's just an energetic match. And that's Mm -hmm. like, that's perfectly, uh, that's like not only appropriate, but we want that feedback. So yeah. And we will help you connect. I totally, totally agree with that. But honestly, I mean, this is what I've been waiting to ask you for like 30 solid minutes. Um, (laughs) Dana Seltzer, who is your celebrity crush? So this was in the questions you sent me and I like acted like I was going to think about it, but I also knew the second, like before I was done reading the question Mm -hmm. that my celebrity crush is Jake Johnson, who played Nick Miller in New Girl. Ooh, Um, okay. I just, I love Yeah. I also have like a deep love for Adam Scott, but uh, like Mm. circa Parks and Rec, um, not Severance. And I'm having a hard time reconciling that my love for him maybe has faded as my Jake Johnson love has grown. Mm. Um, But I mean, the heart wants what the heart wants. And absolutely. That is, that's what my heart wants. (laughs) Wow. I did not, that's hysterical. His name is Jake Johnson. I hope they made a lot of Jack Johnson jokes on the new girl set. I hope. Oh my gosh. No, that was, yeah. Sometimes. And if anybody's seen that show, um, my husband and I like to yell at each other and say, you know, I called you a ninny because you're acting like a ninny. Um, And if you've seen the show, that's a really great call. It was not a good impression, but um, you know, sometimes you just got to call somebody like you see him sometimes you're being a ninny. I love him so much. And yeah, I will like, I'll let it. (laughs) No, well, listen, Jake Johnson, if you're listening to this um, women's health and wellness podcast and sexuality, um, just so you know, Dana Seltzer is taken, but she probably has a hall pass for you. (laughs) I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the terms are. Uh, I have recently, my husband said it was like borderline the most offensive thing I've ever said to him. Um, but we are huge Liverpool uh, fans in our house, premier league soccer. And, uh, I just, there's an animal attraction that I have to Harry Maguire and he is the captain of Manchester United. And I keep trying to tell my husband, no, you don't even want to look it up. Cause it's not going to, you're not going to get it. <laughs> no, I could he has maybe he has kind of this like Cro-Magnon like British forehead that my husband has and so I'm trying to kind of spin it and I'm like it's okay like I think he he's he's a brunette version of you and my husband's like he's literally the worst player in the league I don't like anything like him and I'm like well like you're like a tall half British soccer player but um but yeah he just doesn't take a good picture 
I mean, I don't know. It's just like, there's something in the, the, the way that he carries himself, you know, sometimes somebody doesn't even have to be attractive where you're just like, Ooh, you know? Um, but yeah, so Brad, don't listen to this episode. I love you forever and a day. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Dana. This was wonderful. I'm so excited. And just so before we sign off, tell everybody where to find you. I mean, I, I truly try not to be super findable. I have a Instagram for my business. It's Bluebell Therapy LLC, but I also like barely use it. Um, my web- She's posting oh. good stuff on there. You and guys. you know what? My Instagram is actually Bluebell Therapy Center, which tells you how often I use it. Right. My web- Bluebell Therapy Center. Yes. My website is bluebelltherapyllc.com. It has all the information you might want. Um, but for the most part, I try kind of to be unfindable. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know who would appreciate that? Nick Miller. Nick Miller, Nick Miller off the grid. Um, oh my goodness. Well, thank you for this wonderful chat and for these great nuggets and pearls for our wonderful women who are listening. Welcome. If you like this podcast, please download, share, and review so that we can continue to share our mission more widely and support even more women and women-owned businesses on their wellness journey and self-care journey. You can also find us at www.orthopelvicpt.com on Instagram and YouTube at orthopelvicpt and on TikTok at orthopelvicpt1. At orthopelvicpt, we are primarily pelvic health therapists that practice treating hip pain, low back pain, leakage, postpartum, pregnancy, pubic symphysis dysfunction, prolapse, tailbone pain, and the list goes on and on. Whether you are struggling with acute pain or chronic issues, we would love to chat with you and recommend the next steps of just giving us a call and we'd love to chat today. Thank you.